Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, Expanse fans, and welcome to episode seven of The Churn, which is episode eight of The Expanse, Pyre. I'm Cher Martinetti, and with me always... Adam Swiderski, the missing protomolecule sample. And, and of course, we're going to be joined by uh, Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham, who are collectively James S.A. Corey. Um, If you are listening, first and foremost, thank you for listening. And then also just hop on over to iTunes or Google Play or wherever you're listening and kind of give us lots of love. Just know that we would be giving that same love back to you. Um, I think we already are. I think we are, too. Yeah. And, of course, if you haven't already picked up any of the Expanse books, you're going to want to go ahead and do so, which they're all available on Orbit. Um, you can get them on the James S.A. Corey website or on Amazon.com or at a local bookstore that's hopefully independently owned. Cher, have I mentioned that I've read the books? Oh, my the God. Expanse? Shut I know. the hell I know. Up. Newsflash. This is breaking I news, you guys. You know. yeah. that, was an, anyway. that was a uh, churn exclusive right yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this episode is like first... Of all, I want to know who um, I can expense my Xanax prescription to because this show's starting to stress me the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was a good one. They've all been intense. good. Well, but it's it like tense, the tension level yeah. is maintaining. Yeah. And um, yeah, this is uh, giving me more of the feels again. I don't like so the feel feelings. Let's talk about what happened. Let's talk about what happened. Uh, we have a lot going on. So Anderson Dawes has full on started a revolt within the OPA. So we now we have multiple sides of the OPA and now they're trying to get a hold of those very, very dangerous missiles that Fred Johnson was kind of keeping on the DL or trying to for insurance. We had that going on. Um, Amos is in a dark place right now. Which is pretty bad if you're talking about Amos. Exactly. I mean, but that's... I, yeah. yeah. But I think at the same time, he's in a dark place, but we're also learning why Amos is the way Amos is. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? Uh, oh, we met Prax. We met Prax, who, in the most gut-wrenching, emotional way possible. Yeah, the Ganymede refugee situation is not so good. Uh, yeah. I moment. don't think any refugee situations. Well, no, to be honest. But, uh, of course. The point <laughs> uh, being on the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was an incredibly emotional, every part, actually, which I really want to talk about that a lot with the refugees. Um, and then, uh, you know, Holden and Naomi said the L word. Yeah. But and, secrets remain. You know, Naomi's my girl. But like I like Yo, this is what I, I said. Know. I got a lot to say about Absolute about the way Naomi serious was. Serious problems episode. with Naomi's hypocrisy yeah. right now. It's just it's hard. It's really hard because I'm starting to be like Team Holden in this situation, and you know Holden's a little high maintenance, but he's yeah. starting to show that like he's actually the more reasonable person in the relationship. And That's then right. we have joining us actually later today, who is awesome in this episode too, is Fred Johnson's number two drummer. A.K.A. Cara G. She's going to be here in a little bit. She was awesome. a boss in yeah, this episode. Yeah, she is a boss. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I also want to shout out that every single woman on this show right now, so we have uh, Avasarala, Naomi, Frank, Bobby, <laughs> Bobby, and Drummer, four lead women. All of them are not white women. And I love that. They're all representations of of cultures that some of them like, you wouldn't even expect. Like Cara G, I don't, I'm going to say the, the tribe that she belongs to the wrong way, but she's belongs to a tribe. It starts with an O. Like First Nations? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's like yeah, the second biggest. Uh, yeah. And we, we should say we are recording this on International Women's Day. We so are, shout by out the way. To the awesome women. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <clears throat> of the expanse. And also share. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So let's so say hi to Ty and Daniel, too. Hi, guys. Hey. Okay. Well, we said hi to one of them. Yeah. Ty's around <laughs> here someplace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ty's, Ty's hiding. Um, really quick, what's your favorite part of the show today, Adam? Like, oh, my God. The scene with the, well, I don't even say it's my favorite, but the most affecting part mm-hmm. of the episode for me was the scene, the airlocking scene. So setting up, you know, we talked a little bit about Prax is a botanist from Ganymede. He's part of the refugee situation after the big attack there. Uh, He's on a ship that is basically hauling people to Tycho. And at one point, the guys are like, hey, there's another ship here for all the interplanets people. And you all go into this airlock and we'll move you over there. And then it turns out they just plan to space them. And there's a scene where Prax's friend Doris, and we get to see her actually asphyxiate in space yeah in case it wasn't sad enough i know like that scene it turns it's this beautiful moment of them in zero g and then they get sucked out into space and and then we again we get to see her actually her moment of death and that to me i was just i my mouth was hanging open as was hers at that yeah exactly at that moment i was just i and i have i have a thing with with the idea of dying in the vacuum of space, like a scene in Sunshine. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I haven't. Where ba- and basically anytime anyone has to try to survive in the vacuum of space, it freaks me out. Like I just get full body chills. I don't know why. I mean, it's a horrible I, situation. Well, because a, yeah. it's probably you would actually get full yeah. body chills because it's yeah. like incredibly cold. Well, there but you go. I think also if you think about the idea of being all alone in yeah. space yeah. and like it's not like someone's gonna come happen by you like unless you're diogo yeah unless you're diogo so. but the thing is like and then just the way that scene was shot and like the lighting on her as she died in that moment yeah. was just really powerful uh such a small i mean it's a it's a big moment in terms of you know a bunch of people just died but she wasn't she was a character we met this episode yeah you know she wasn't like someone you had a lot of investment in but just the way they set it up the way and it, was it was still incredibly emotional especially yeah, for a character really, that really was briefly powerful. on the show yeah that was that was terrible we were terribly mean it was awful yeah you guys are awful <laughs> way to go <laughs> yeah. um i think my i don't want to say favorite big again because it's like oh this made me happy to me the most effectual part of the episode was the refugees and everything yeah. with the refugees and i think Partially because it definitely is synonymous to stuff that's happening real time right now in the real life. And seeing like and hearing even when um, Doris and Prax are speaking like their whole entire lives, it's it. Like everything that they thought they knew was is doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. I and mean, they have that conversation like about going home, you know, or, or what they're going to do next, because literally you are displaced, not just just from your physical, like your personal house, but everything in your yeah. life just got completely tossed on its head and out the window and whatever disintegrated. So it's like 
where do you go from there? And the other thing for me is, as a New Yorker who was here uh, on and after 9-11, yeah. anytime a show or any movie has a scene with wall, a wall of missing people. Or well, that was the other thing gone, I was going to bring up. Because I know with Battlestar Galactica, yes. that, that's, that was intentionally what they did with Battlestar Galactica yeah. was... Um, when they have the pictures of the ref- of everybody that's missing, they took that from what was happening after 9-11. And there's also the picture of when they're, um, oh my God, that's up on the wall that they would all salute or touch before. Right. The, that was yeah. also based on the picture of the firemen at yep. 9-11 yep. with the flag. So I definitely was going to say the same thing. Like when yeah. he's, you know, tossing that picture up there, it's always going to make me you know, think of seeing those pictures all over the city, seeing them all over the news, you know, fearing that someone that like from my hometown, you know, because my hometown is right outside of the city and there was a lot of people that commuted or whatever. So it, there's, it definitely, it's always going to bring that stuff back. So, yeah. um, so I guess, I mean, my question for Ty and Daniel yeah. about this, obviously the books were written a while ago and you did have a refugee situation there, but in terms of producing the show and, and showing it on the show, was that at all, influenced or informed by what's going on in the world right now? Well, a lot of the writing of this was uh, going on kind of before, you know, in the books, especially before our present situation um, became what it is. So that that's, it's more that this is a thing that happens periodically throughout history and, and in human affairs. And we had an example of it in the books and now there's an example of it in the world and it's you know it's good that those things kind of rhyme with each other it's good that they both uh speak to each other it means we're doing our job yeah that's what good science fiction does right it reflects yeah i don't know what happened to ty i'm sure he's here someplace but i don't know where yeah ty are you still here yeah but daniel did a good job so (laughs) okay (laughs) i'm not used to this i'm not used to ty being so quiet no as long as we didn't lose him i'm I'm good yeah um yeah, I mean, I, I was I was definitely thinking the same thing about how, especially when it came time to, like, bring this to life, how much of that was influenced by, and, and literally every single episode, because I was thinking about that on the way here, I'm like, you know, I don't want to get, like, super political, but I don't think, first of all, this show has politics in it, so you can't not talk about politics, but again, like, good sci-fi really does let you have those conversations about things that maybe you wouldn't be having that you should be having. And this show is definitely, definitely doing that with every single episode. So I want to give you guys props for that. The thing that's interesting to me is the number of things that we did in the the books and in the show that were not pointed, that read as pointed, uh, the, the number of issues that just turn out to be evergreen that way. I didn't see that coming. What's an example of one that jumped out to you other than the refugee crisis situation? Well, the refugee crisis situation is the one we're talking about right now, but also uh, the unreliability of uh, governments, the, the, the danger of factions, um, tribalism, just, you know, it's, it's, not something that we did with any kind of specific political agenda. It just kind of worked out that way. The other one that I that jumps to mind immediately when you bring that up for me is kind of the uh I was gonna say the immigrant. Or I was gonna say the way messages get changed and warped and yeah. used for whatever ends, you know. Holden's original message about the cant and uh mm-hmm. kind of being turned into other things and, and 
interpreted to mean different things based on where your where people's politics were. I mean, that's certainly something that we're going through right now. I think also too uh, something that's definitely timely is the whole like you can't not have a side, you know, because that's a running theme, right? In the the last few episodes, and I think that that's you know kind of the climate we're in right now. You can't not have an opinion on this stuff. You can't not. Everyone has to speak up or have an opinion or have something to say. Although you can't be, I'm sorry, neutral. Yeah, can't be neutral on a moving train. Yeah. Yeah. Although the interesting thing for me is I tend to be more, at least when I'm approaching this, like Team Holden, which is, I read an, an article on Cracked a while back that was like, it's not about this side versus that side. It's like Team Civilization and, uh, you know, Civil Society versus Team Barbarism. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of where things fall out <laughs> here. It's like Holden's got the whole, you know what, we all have our politics, but we're all kind of ultimately on the same side type of thing. And Yeah, that- and it's it's... It's not about not having an opinion. I mean, the 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 big argument uh, on on tribalism is that people pick a side, and then it becomes like team sports. Uh, my if my side wins, that means I won too, and they they stop thinking about it. They stop paying attention to the the things their side is doing. Um, that's where you run into problems. Is is it's fine to say I think this side is more right than wrong. But you still have to be aware of the places that they're wrong. You can't just become a team sport. And one of the other things I think we try to do, which I hope is something that will continue to be uh, on point and important as we move forward, is that there are genuinely good people on all sides of all of these issues. All of these factions have people in them that are genuinely good people who are genuinely doing their best as they understand it. Yeah, that's such a, it's such a, uh, I don't want to say it's a difficult thing to process, but it's one of those things that you kind of forget. Like I'm looking at the example of Fred Johnson in this episode. Uh, You know, I'm totally on Fred's side. And then at the end, it's so obvious how badly he wants the proto-molecule. And he's like, if you don't bring it back, you're not welcome here. You you know, all these things he says to Holden. Um, And you're reminded that, yeah, I mean, he can be a good guy and still have an agenda that you don't necessarily agree with. Look at Anderson Dawes. Anderson Dawes has done a lot of good for the belt. He has done genuinely uh, altruistic things in order to promote the the well-being of his tribe. He's not a bad guy. The other thing that really stood out to me in this episode is Amos's arc right now, where it is. Yeah. First of all, Wes is killing it this season. Yeah. As I think I mentioned this, we were talking offline about this episode, and I just feel like there was a whole new layer to his performance this yeah. episode, but it didn't feel like it tacked on. Like it's just suddenly, you know, there's something else going on behind yeah. Amos's eyes than there has been. And it was really good. And I and I feel like the the if there was one specific moment that was the most chilling to me was when he says to, to um, Alex, don't make me fight you because then who's going to fly the ship? And it was just like that. It, it was the way he delivered it. It was such a matter of fact like that. And it was very chilling. Yeah. But also seeing everything else that he, that's going on with him in the past, like this episode and last episode, um, you're realizing there's like, you know, and him questioning about the missing empathy and 
So you're realizing like this isn't just someone that's like a psychopath for the sake of being a psychopath. Like something's going on. Are we going to find out where he was when he was missing? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I, that's it's it's kind of awesome because, you know, he he has that moment with the in the last episode with the the refugee woman and her kid and and, it, you know, it clearly really had an impact on him. And then he just sort of disappears for a while. And we knew we wanted him to show back up kind of disheveled. <laughs> so you would think maybe he was up to up to no good. But it, so, you know, they were going to put a little where he clearly got punched because he's got a little bit of a busted lip. But it was Wes's idea. He's like, could I have just like a different jacket? <laughs> like somebody else's jacket. Like I, I went off and I got in a fight and I took somebody's coat and I'm just, I just have his coat now. So that was actually Wes's idea. I thought that was fantastic, but, but it's, you're sort of telling the story by not telling the story, you know, just, he shows up, he's kind of disheveled. He's got a busted lip. He's wearing someone else's coat. Um, so we don't know where he was, but you can kind of fill in the blanks to this. He probably was having some adventures. That's Amos's version of walkabout. You go to different bars beat people up and take their clothes but you know maybe (laughs) but you know i also like this too because it's like you feel like you're starting to like learn more about amos but then there's all these unanswered questions like whose coat is he wearing where was he for the past however many days like why is he have a black eye like i think i don't know i like that because it's gonna it makes you it helps whoever's watching it's like you start building your own backstory and you're going to come up to your own assumptions and then whatever else is going on with Amos, you're going to view through whatever that lens is based on whatever perceptions from the unanswered questions that you're answering for yourself. And Wes does not stop just crushing this role really throughout does. the rest of the... Yeah. And, and for the rest of the this season moving forward, uh, it, what he's doing is amazing. It's a, it's a, it's a, real, it's a real pleasure to watch. Yeah, that is absolutely true. But you, you guys know what makes that scene work, right? That that great scene where he confronts Alex and, um, you know, says that chilling thing. The thing that makes that work is they're staring at each other, and there's this long pause, yeah. and him going, "Do you hear that beeping too?" Yeah, yeah. And then he <laughs> just mean, goes just... back to like, by the way, like, yeah. That whole everything that has to be easily one of my absolute all time favorite scenes so far on the series. I think you guys need to write a spin-off uh, novella in which they go on an adventure together, Alex and Amos. <laughs> you can call it Alex and Amos. I don't know. <laughs> just, just spitballing here, but uh, I, I just love their dynamic because Alex is so, you know, at least on the surface, so, uh, you know. But that's the thing, happy too. Happy-go-lucky. And, like, and, and I like and, that at Amos calls him out and he was like, yeah. you didn't help, you're not helping your family. So yeah. it's like we're seeing two very damaged people that have a lot of shit that they're keeping hidden and the way the way that that damage is on their facade or they wear it on their facade is vastly different yeah everybody's so damaged i want to talk about naomi <sighs> yeah oh my god she right. did something in this episode that i have both had done to me in arguments and done myself. Wait, is it when hate. she got mad at Holden for not telling her something yes. when she's been lying her face off for yes. the past couple episodes? Oh, that is the worst. And then, which I'm not, I don't want to spoil this for non-book readers. I know something that is true about her from the books that uh-huh. has not been mentioned yet on the show. That was hinted at in this episode, right? That was hinted at in this yes. episode. She was asked a question very pointedly and she pulled a little Jeff Sessions and she was just like, nope. Yeah. 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 
but yeah and on the other hand just because you hook up with somebody and they're your sweetie does that mean they get I total think, access hold to your on. past i think the second yeah. you throw out the word love into a conversation and you're saying i love you to somebody then yeah i think they need to know things about ideally your how? very immediate fam- family situation but how many people have said those words and not been at a place where they are fully disclosing everything that, about their inner self. I think that that, I mean, that's, it, that felt very genuine to me. That's you can... true because literally that's the story of every single relationship I've ever had in my there life. There you go. Right? Not me. It's just they're the ones that are full of shit. So <laughs> um, I have like Tourette's, so I say everything. But um, yeah, they, I just, but it was not just that. It's the fact that she got mad at him for not telling. Yes. That projection, that is the worst. When she has like at least three things I could think about right now that she is a big now, old now, liar face about. Now, now hold on. Let's 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 be let's be clear about Naomi here. Go ahead. Uh, it's not just that he's hiding stuff. It's that he's hiding something in particular that is uh, symptomy and unhealthy and shows that he is in a very dark, bad place, and he's locking her out of that. Do you mean the the his attempt to kill Cortazar? Yeah. I was talking more about the proto-molecule stuff, though. Oh, that's another thing. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing for me. I'm because, ta- like, I was talking about the- She's like, how, how dare you not tell me that you knew that there was more proto-molecule out there? And right. He, and it was two things that she got mad at him for, like, and she's still leading him in lies. Yeah, and she's, she's, <laughs> well, got, she's got her precious that she's looking at on her screen. You know, yeah. I think that uh, that was very- I was just like, oh, come on. I mean, they're but, both, but, they're both, they both lie. But then he- Go ahead. Yeah. Guys, I Hi. mean, <laughs> clearly, clearly she's upset. See, this is why I don't talk because you guys just talk over the top. <gasps> uh, <laughs> the, floor, the floor is yours, it's sir. International please. Women's Day. You have to be nice at least for like. No, he doesn't. I know. No, please. The floor is yours. Trying. Go. Go ahead. I'm just, I'm just, I, you know, I'm just fucking with Cher. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the thing there that, I mean, what, what, it, like like reality, when we get upset, it's usually a fear reaction. Anger is usually a fear reaction. And when Naomi finds out that Holden knew there was more protomolecule out there, what is she thinking about? She's thinking about, oh, my God, they're going to find my sample that I hit. Right. So all of that anger is getting aimed at Holden, but it's not about him. It's about her fear of the lie she told and this thing that she's done and she's going to get caught. I mean, it's it's and that's how humans are. I mean, I, I it, it took me a while, but I finally learned, like, if I feel this flush of anger toward my wife or something, usually it's because I there's something going on in my head that I haven't figured out. And it's it's turning into that. Um, and that's just how people are. I mean, she she's she's suddenly very scared. And when you you are suddenly very scared, it almost always turns into anger. I find be all like logical about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it absolutely makes sense. It, but it's still one of those things. It's that, still incredibly yeah. hypocritical, though. I mean, yeah. And I and I only say the only reason I get so angry about it, honestly, is because I have done that, and I hated I hated myself when I did it. When I was what you've like gotten mad at somebody and, and and projected and like that, and I think that uh, God, men are the worst. Oh come on! I've also had it done to me by by. I women, have never done that. We always hate in other people the things we're most ashamed of in ourselves. Yep. There you go. Right here. I don't hate anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Cher hates people who are smart. <gasps> That's so weak. No, that I... was a compliment. Yeah. Isn't it? Well yeah. I mean, left-handed, but. Yeah. It was a left-handed compliment. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, all right. So, so back to the show. Back to the show. <laughs> so wait, but here's my thing, though, that's... I think this is the thing that's probably upsetting me the most that she's lying about. I understand everything that she did so far with it, with, you know, not telling the truth about like hiding the torpedoes and all that stuff. That doesn't bother me as much as the other thing that she was asked point blank and blatantly lied about. We can't talk about that, though. Why? It's a spoiler. It's a, it's a spoiler. big, big spoiler. It's a, it's a big spoiler. But also the person who asked it was not somebody she owed any answers to. Right. This is true. Okay. I mean, like if, if some random dude just starts asking you personal questions about your life, you're not, not required to fill him in. All right. That's fair. Well, when you put it that way. Let's talk. I mean, I guess, and obviously <laughs> this is something that uh, is going to develop, but let's talk about Prax's place as a member, new uh, member of the yeah. Rosie crew here. First of all, what, what's the actor's name again? Terry? Terry Chen. Terry Chen. He, like... Just from the minute you meet him, he has the most like soulful, sweet eyes, and then you just feel literally heartbroken when you see him. Like yeah. he just looks like just you just want to like I don't know, give him a hug and some ice cream or something. I don't know. He it just, makes you worry. So wounded for how he's going to fit in with the people who he's having to deal with now, which I think is great. I mean, yeah. that's perfect for the character. You know, yeah. Like Rack's I'm genuinely not- concerned about what's going to happen because in situations like the one he has found himself in, they are very volatile and very, um, they can be very scary situations Yeah, because they're very hectic and, you know, and to come off of, you know, that out of that situation and to go to somebody and be like, Hey, like this just happened. And and my friend just got murdered and to hear that's horrible. And that should, something should be done. But like, there's so much other shit going on right now. Like yeah. we can't even deal with the fact that a bunch of people just got killed. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like is a very real thing. And, and, you know, Terry was a huge win for us. He, he's, it, he's a fantastic actor because, you know, normally Terry plays tough guys. Terry plays like, you know, cyborg killers and, and, and enforcers for the mob. And, and that's the kind of character he has typically played. A lot of and when he came in to play prax it's so not the normal character he plays but from the first day he was on set he just crushed it so i mean he this is a guy who clearly has a ton of range that he's you know he's getting to display some of it on our show which we're really happy about yeah i'm sure that was he was probably pretty psyched about that too the chance. he was he was amazing to work with he is genuinely uh, uh a powerfully sweet thoughtful deep I mean, he's just a lovely guy. He's great. Uh, he also has all the tattoos, all of them. Like those are like how many? No, like he spent a bunch of time in makeup getting tattoos covered up so he wouldn't just look like. Oh, like belt. he's covered in actual ink. Yeah, that man has yeah. tremendous amount of ink. Oh wait, so now I want to Google and see like his ink. Yeah, no, I mean seriously, like you would assume he like kills people for the yakuza. <laughs> So now are you going to write a, a side story where he joins the OPA so you can reveal some of the tattoos? <laughs> he's not that. I'm looking right now. He's got a lot of tattoos. I mean, he's they're all over the place, though. <laughs> they're on his hands. Yeah, that's oh, wow. fine. He's yeah, no, he, there, was, there was makeup involved. There was yeah. a lot of hand makeup. Yeah. Let, let's talk about that scene, though, the, the spacing scene. That was really intense. That was terrible. Yeah. And no, I, that was... 
I was, I've always, but I did appreciate it on a scientific level because I think sometimes there's this, when these things are depicted, you see someone get sucked out into space and it's just like, well, now they're instantly dead. Yeah. You know, and obviously that didn't happen here. The thing that actually made me happy about the, the science on that genuinely horrific scene um, was that they weren't blown out in, uh, into space. It right. wasn't, you know, the, the, the air rushed out and, and carried them with it. If you watch it, they the thrusters float. are firing and pulling the ship away from them. Yeah. So when you go outside and see them spilling out, it's because the ship is moving, not because they are. Oh, that's interesting. And don't they say that, you know, because a lot of times people are like, oh, you don't burn up in space or whatever they think happens. Don't you actually, what is it, you freeze or you suffocate? Oh, you suffocate. It takes suffocate. a long time to freeze. Yeah. Okay, so I you mean, suffocate pretty you suffocate in like 15 you die in about 15 20 seconds yeah but uh you don't freeze for a long 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 time because you don't have anything there to to suck the heat away it's a vacuum vacuum is what you put in a thermos to keep things hot hmm. and that's interesting too because i and i this is a question actually i had about the first season of the show because what I've I have always seen on in movies and stuff it, or read is if you were exposed to the vacuum of space and you knew it was coming, you should exhale all the air out of your lungs. Yes. And I think Diogo's uncle in season one takes a deep breath in before he opened his faceplate. No, he breathes yeah, out. And he breathes he's, out. He's, he's if you listen to the 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 sound mixing in that episode, he's breathing out the entire time. Ah, and it's not that it's not that you have to immediately get all the air out of your lungs. It's just that you the air has to have some place to go that isn't through the wall of your lung. Right. So you want to keep your air passage open and your mouth open. So as the air rushes out of you, it has a clear path. So he takes a deep breath to, to oxygenate his blood. And then when he opens the mask, he has his mouth open and he's exhaling the entire time. Fascinating. I'm gonna. I'm writing all this down because I am convinced that at some. He point, didn't write anything down. He's lying. But I'm writing it down in my head because I'm convinced <laughs> that at some point I am going to be trapped in a vacuum of space and have to survive somehow. Wait, why do you think that? I don't know. Okay, it just is a thing. You've like. Oh God. Someday you have have like I'm gonna whole, have to jump between two spaceships. We need a whole separate episode of the podcast just to unpack a lot of the shit you say because I'm like really <laughs> concerned about this and like you want to shoot yourself into the sun when you die that's true and the the ab obsession that i get blamed for by the way and it's you that has the problem i approve of that you getting blamed for my ab yeah, obsession i'm, I'm aware great. um but okay go but, on so so when when we were talking about this stuff in initially in the books and later in the writer's room daniel's the one who actually found this but there's a uh there is an ex a series of experiments done by nasa where they would put people in pressure suits and then put them in like an artificially created vacuum because they were testing the spacesuits. And in one of those experiments, the person's spacesuit failed and they were instantly in a vacuum. And all the stuff we know about what happens to people in vacuum is from their, you know, because of course it was an experiment. So he was all covered in sensors and everything. And they were able to repressurize the room quickly so he didn't, he didn't suffer any long-term damage. But, uh, yeah, we learned a ton of stuff about it. Like, it takes about 15 seconds before you pass out. And then, you know, however long after that, before your brain runs out of oxygen and you die. I'm not sure what that amount of time is. But it, it, within 15 seconds, he had passed out. But when they repressurized the room and he started breathing again, he was fine. There was no, there was no real long-term damage. So now we have uh, joining us um, the one and only drummer, Ms. Cara G., 
which was a little technical difficulty getting you here. Hey, Kara. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the churn. <laughs> thank yeah, thank, thank you for you. Uh, for once we tracked you down for doing this. This is awesome because you were definitely a, a hotly requested guest for the podcast. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad we worked it out. Did you ever expect, um, considering that your character doesn't really exist in the books, like, did you ever expect to get the reception that you've been getting from fans? Oh, my God. Um, did I expect that? No. No. <laughs> so You're like, I totally expected uh, it. I knew I was going to crush it. Like, can you imagine? I was like, I knew this. I knew I had this in the bag. You're like, I was going to make uh, this whole show. Tattoo, really. <laughs> like, like, people are going to like this. <laughs> um. Ty and Daniel, did you guys expect, because so far both Diogo and Kara play, well, Diogo Andrew and Kara, Andrew yeah. and Kara both play roles <laughs> that are either very, very minor or non-existent in the book. So you guys pretty much created them for the show. Did you ever expect these supporting characters to become this big with fans? Well, well, Drummer isn't actually created for the show. Um, she just doesn't show up until later books. Mm. So... Yeah, she's well, kind of critical later on. <laughs> yeah, so so she she is in the books uh, just later. We just brought her forward uh, because it became very clear that we needed uh, sort of a second character in the Tycho world to do things that Fred couldn't do and give us another voice there. And uh, it was Daniel's suggestion to bring to bring Drummer forward and and use her for that because yeah, I mean obviously she she's part of that crew in the later books and. Uh, we just got lucky that we got Kara because she has just killed it with that role. So, I mean, it, am I surprised that the fans love her? Not at all, because I actually have seen her performances. Well, then there you go. That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, because a lot of people keep on asking, and I have to be honest, like this has only been something that I've been asked for maybe two weeks, and I'm already annoyed with the questions. And I know that Ty and Daniel have been getting these since last season. Um, if, if drummer like all these questions about Sam and they keep bringing up Sam Rosenberg and, mm -hmm. they and I'm already annoyed <laughs> that I keep getting asked. Those. First of all, cause they've already talked about this like a couple of weeks ago, but I feel like it's like, they're just not letting go of that character when there's like, dude, you have this awesome character. Let her be this awesome character without bringing up somebody else. So the just problem with the problem with Sam was that there were a bunch of things we needed the character to do that Sam wouldn't have been able to do. And and drummer could. And so, you know, that that made sense. So Kara. Yeah, and and oh I'm oh, sorry. No, sorry. no, no, go go ahead. Get, go. I was just gonna say, you know, at one of the constant conversations in the writer's room is how to you know, because we have a lot of characters in the books and, and you don't want to get trapped in feeling like you have to have all of them on the show, too, because then no character gets enough screen time to really to really have impact. So one of the conversations we have a lot is characters that can be either combined or one character can fill in for another character. Um, as you see in season two, we don't have uh, a boss Rolla's assistant. Uh, Soren is not in the show, so we we sort of combined him and the the bodyguard character Katyar into a single role that fills both of those, um, and that's kind of what we did with Drummer. Is is we needed a character who could do a lot of different things um, in the show that sort of combined a lot of those 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 other characters from the books, and that's what that's what we wound up with. So, Kara, for yourself, do you like when you're preparing for Drummer's part? 
have you read ahead to where she is in the books or are you using material from where Sam was in the books up to this point or are you kind of just winging it and going off whatever notes you get from, <laughs> from Ty and Daniel and um, the writers? Uh, oh, I wish that I could wing it, but I'm way too much of a keener for that. Um, yeah, uh, what? I, when I, <laughs> when oh. I was cast, I actually, I had, I think like three or four days until my first day of shooting. So I, I, I actually, I flipped through the books and pieced together sort of the, the bits that Sam has, like, especially looking at her relationship with Naomi and that friendship, knowing that I was going to have some of those scenes. And then I did look ahead to some of the drummer stuff. But then at the end of the day, you have to just play what's on the page in the script. So I took those influences. We also looked and we talked about uh, the butcher of Anderson Station and that woman who is with Dawes who flips Fred. So looking at that as an influence on drummer as well as a, as a source. Yeah, that, that was mentioned in this particular episode. She mm. talked about Fred's kind yeah, of, her relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Big question for you, Kara: Who is better at belter handball, you or Dominique? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, who's better at it? I think <laughs> I feel like we were pretty well matched. To be honest, that was such a fun thing to get to do. Um, super challenging to play with an imaginary ball. We choreographed it. So we knew exactly where the ball would be. Yeah, so silly. So that's where that Dominic's so dancing background there you go. came in, which, by the way, somebody sent and me. And we got to dance. That's right. You did get yeah. to dance. Somebody sent me a video link of a song that Dominique did, like in whatever girl band she was in oh, wow. in England. <laughs> Yeah, I get the. It's all, all the thi- all the things are coming to light now. I know I get yeah. the best tweets. I swear. Um, <laughs> so, Kara, a lot of people have asked about um, your unique accent on the show, and yeah. So, how did you? Because you do have a very very unique accent on the show. So, how did you create that accent for drummer? And oh. yeah. <laughs> well, um, so first of all, I had watched season one in its entirety before I auditioned. I was actually already a huge fan of the show, uh, which is something that is a total dream come true for an actor. I've never been in that situation before where I get to audition for something that I already really, really, really fucking love. So I listened to Jared Harris. I listened to his accent sort of on repeat as I was gearing up to the audition. And I went into my audition with sort of my take on the accent. Um, and that was really what I kept. I worked with our dialect coach, Eric Armstrong. Uh, we, we go over the text before we shoot every, uh, every episode. So we worked to sort of tweak it. Um, but yeah, it's such a cool thing to get to make up an accent for a, for a role. And we, dream. we asked Andrew this too. Do you find Belter Patois uh, bleeding into your everyday life? At oh all? God, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The only the only words that I can say in that accent are the words that I say in the show. <laughs> do you um really do you know any besides the words you have to speak? Because like I I saw a couple of tweets, like I said that you were gonna be joining us on the podcast, and then people start first of all, this happens to me literally every single week. I have expanse fans tweeting to me in Belter, full on text uh-huh. in Belter. I have 
no idea what they're saying to me. <laughs> and they're all like, you need to start learning Belter. So now I'm like, if I'm getting this from hosting a podcast, like, I come on, <laughs> how much are the actors that are actually speaking Belter getting this? So I want to know how often you're getting tweeted at to pure Belter. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot. <laughs> I <laughs> and, don't know. I and you have no idea what they're saying, know. right? Like, I think Andrew actually does know because yeah. he, he like, I told you he posts a Belter word of the day. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. He posts. Yeah. Well, he's so adorable. <laughs> And I'm sitting here getting these tweets, and I'm like, dude, I'm just waiting for, like, Twitter to start translating from Belter to English. That's when you just tweet back the thumbs-up emoji. Yeah. It's like, I totally get you, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I might have yeah. to, like... sunglasses face. <laughs> so you don't know anything aside from whatever is on the page. Yeah. Okay. Now I feel a little got bit nothing. better. Got <laughs> like, I got Sorry, nothing guys. for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of people love, love Drummer. Um, so let's t- like, talk a little bit about I was a little concerned for your character last week because I thought that she was going mm-hmm. to uh, flip sides. And it's weird that I'm saying that I was concerned because, like, I want her to be on Fred's side. Like, if it comes to, like, Anderson, Dawes, and Fred Johnson, I, I'm, I find You're myself— team Fred. I'm not saying I'm team Fred because I—but I, I, I feel like I want to trust in his agenda— that it's ultimately not like he's up to something nefarious. Right. Whereas I feel like Anderson is. Mm-hmm. And, mm. and I think the reason I feel like Anderson is is because he seemed to just flip the script so suddenly and then to resort to like violence and killing people that were like a couple minutes ago, like on the same side as him. Like that's, that's the thing that's making me hesitate because it's like seeing him resort to that so quickly and then seeing Fred be more passive in his way of relating yeah. is making me feel like I want to trust Fred. So I wanted to feel like Drummer was in that same boat with Fred. And I was a little worried mm. last week that she was going to be yeah. like, peace out. And I got to be honest, I'm still – actually, once she took like a bullet for him, yeah, I was man. like, all right, now I'd like trust her. But Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're willing to get shot. I guess I can trust you. Yeah, Kara, how did you feel about the way your loyalties were falling out in the show? Yeah. I can I can see, I mean, me personally, yeah. as Kara, I can see the merit in Dawes' approach as well. Definitely. Um, I think that Drummer is in a really uh, difficult place where she has to sort of, uh, she certainly understands both perspectives. And for her, I think it just comes down to strategy. What is the best way forward to, to sort of be able to win as, as much power as she can for the belters in a, and the OPA in a sustainable way? What is the best strategy? You know, and, I think and she it- takes that bullet because these black faction guys, these black sky guys have very, a very weak strategy <laughs> you know yeah i think it's a credit to your performance and, and the writing as well that up when at the point where they asked her to turn i didn't know which way it was going to go yeah same i thought i thought honestly up until she got shot i was like she was the the inside man on this operation and that's why they were able to like mm-hmm. get in and now i'm like thinking it was, it was what's his like one of the it other the guys communications guy. yeah the communications but sure Drummer shoots two people as they're coming through the door. That doesn't feel like the inside man. No, but you know <laughs> All what, the better to sell yeah, it. Exactly. That's what I thought. I was like, yo, she's really selling this. Like, I really... <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's all the black 
eyeliner. You know, it's making me, it just gives, you know, when girls have that full black eyeliner on, you're like, oh, this bitch is up to something right now. All right. You you came right. Like, I was waiting for her to put Vaseline on her face and like hold my earrings. I'm going, I'll shoot people if I have to. She's got, she's got that gully. She's got, she's a little ratchet. I like that. I don't know what that means. You know, like she's going to, like, she's going to get into it. Okay. No, you got some badass uh, moments in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's so fun. Okay, guys, so can we please talk about getting shot? Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. That is the scariest thing I have ever, (laughs) ever, ever done on set. It's terrifying because they put this, like, firecracker under your costume, and then everyone around you is wearing protective goggles (laughs) and (laughs) blankets. It's terrifying. And then you have to do the whole scene as though you don't know there's a firecracker that's going to explode on your chest. It was intense. How many that is takes? Pretty crazy. How many takes of that did you have to do? One. Just the one. We did it in one. Because you're a professional. Yeah. Just be, this God. goes back yeah. to like why you're like this is why I knew I was going to make the show because I could do one take. They call me one take. Right? Ca- they call and me also, one take. Cara. Also, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when it's said to go to react like drummer and to not react as Kara to be like. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> There's a great. Was uh, that your first time, Kara? Was that your first time getting, getting shot? shot. <gasps> yeah. And you only did one so take. That's people, awesome. Go you. Because because you were in that yeah. that show that was like a western. You never got shot on yeah. that. Nope, I shot some people though. See, I told you, ratchet. <laughs> yeah. She's. There's there's a great there's a great Firefly outtake if you guys ever get the chance to see their bloopers where Wash Alan Tudyk is running down a hall and people are shooting at him and one of the firecrackers explodes on his butt. (laughs) (laughs) So I I I I understand what you mean about the you know the potential for things to go horribly wrong in that situation are are, are, is great. Oh man, that's so intense. So wait, so (laughs) Car, Car, somebody asked if you speak any other languages and if that plays into uh your accent for drummer oh uh i don't <laughs> like I don't. no man <laughs> it's just pure Sorry. acting man. it's called acting it's, yeah, it's pretending well then there you go there you go person on reddit so that question <laughs> getting shot was scary how how was your cold-blooded shoot two people in the head moment yeah gangster oh. did that feel awesome do you know what yeah, it felt amazing. You know, we shot that. That was the last scene of the day that we shot. And it was always, you know, a, a time crunch on set and everything has to happen really quickly. And so we did that. That was the last shot. And we did it. It's like one o'clock in the morning and the last scene. And I've just been so excited about it. And it was just pure adrenaline. It was very satisfying. Wait, do you mean the moment just where they boom, bust through the door boom. or your your executions at the end of the episode? Oh, execution yeah that was awesome <laughs> i was like because i see alex come over to start helping you Cass is helping you off the set and i'm like oh that's nice that you know alex is there and then she's just like nope no Boss. Fucking way. I, I had to be yeah. like i thought about this yesterday so i went to see like logan this weekend and then or monday night and then they showed there was like this clip yesterday on um Twitter that was the going ADR. around yeah where he was doing the sound and he was like grunting and then like getting all like fired up and I was like, I'm like oddly turned on right now because he's like raging. And then I realized I have yeah. this weird thing with like violence. Like, 
I have a lot of, I think I have a lot, listen, I don't think, I know, I have a lot of unchecked anger issues, so that might be, (laughs) but like, I think, and then like, I see stuff like that, wherever like girls start beating the shit out of somebody in a movie, or like, they shoot people, and then I get so, you know, like in Logan, I loved X-23, because she's awesome, like that little girl is amazing, but also the second she just starts like beating the shit out of people, I'm like, oh my god, this girl's the best. So like, as an actress, do you do you feel like it's like how do you feel like when you're doing those parts? Do you feel like it's like cathartic? Like you're like, oh my god, I'm getting like all this rage out. <laughs> Cause I feel like I would love that uh, part as an actress. Yeah. No, it's it's totally it's strangely empowering. Um and uh that the the Western that I was the show that I did, it was called Strange Empire, the Canadian show. Um I got to do a lot of uh, a lot of shooting firing blanks and, and rifles and bow and arrows. It was really violent in some areas. And it is, it's so, it's strangely empowering. It's really, really fun. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I get these parts. <laughs> I can really tap into that, like that deep, guttural, just fire. Yeah, it's fun. Which is yeah, interesting. It just drummer, makes me likes it more now. But like we see drummer most of the time pretty in control. Yeah. Yeah. That was another thing I liked about the, this is another thing I liked about this episode though is I mean she's still in control but you see some fire from her in that especially in that last bit. Um yeah, but there seems like something about her that even though she's very in control that it's not like there's something like she has to maintain like she's working to maintain that. That's always well, the impression I, I get her from her. Status. Yeah, her status on Tycho. I mean to be to have worked her way up to be Fred Johnson's second in command, you know, that, that belter excellence. She would have had to work her fucking ass off for her whole life to be there. And I'm sure she knows that just, she's not resting on her past, on her achievements. She's constantly driving forward and there is a fire under that. So would you say that, because we talked about how you feel about Anderson Dawes and everything like that, and we obviously saw where her loyalties lie in this episode, but do you think that was more based on Fred as a person, or does she buy into Fred's approach to the OPA? And it's like ideology. Yeah. Mm. In your mind. I think it has more to do with his ideology, to be honest. I think that, I think that Drummer believes, she, she believes in peace. I think that she's not, she hasn't gone down super violent. Uh, you know, she's not black sky. She's not going to just throw missiles at the earth because she knows that that's short term. She's looking at like OPA sovereignty. She's looking at the bigger picture. She has her eye on that and, and working to end the oppression that she would have grown up in, you know? I have to say black sky is a really cool name. It is. Right? <laughs> I might be tempted the to join OPA them. It is pretty gangster. It is that's pretty true. gangster. But true. Black Sky, like that sounds like that could be like its own video game. I keep expecting. Sky. I'm sure. No, there was uh, <laughs> there was something else where they had a character called the Black Sky. I can't remember what it was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. This is the only thing that matters. Now. That's right. Um, <laughs> I forgot what I was gonna ask. Well, it probably wasn't that good. No, I'm definitely not. Uh, but, been... So what? I was gonna say what were you gonna ask? Like what your favorite part of yeah, the show was? Yeah, I was literally oh, just gonna say that. Sharon and I have been doing this too long. <laughs> Uh, so what, what's been your favorite <laughs> scene to shoot so far? Your favorite part of being on the expanse? Ah, uh, you know what? Launching the Nauvoo. That uh, was my favorite. 
that was amazing because the, I mean, Bob and the visual effects crew are unreal. What they do is unreal. And so to be able to stand in that control room on Tycho station and watch on that giant screen, because they, they had that like live for us on the day. Oh, really? And the power. Yeah. Cause I was going to say that, that launch sequence. I was going to say, how great could it be? You're standing in a green screen room and, and someone's going, and now the ship is flying away. <laughs> No, they had that prepared for us in advance. We got to actually like see that on the giant screen and it was loud and we could like you could feel the power of the 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 Nauvoo launching. It was it was amazing. It felt as awesome as it looked on the screen. It felt it was so surreal to be standing there watching it. It was amazing. I love, I love how excited That's she nice. gets about this too. Yeah, it was is that a common thing on the show where they'll have some sort of like when there's an effect sequence <laughs> that they'll show you something so that you don't uh, just have to pretend in your head as to what's happening? Yeah. So, yeah. There were a few times where we got to see that, which was really, really, really cool. Um, yeah. And it's so, like, as I said, I was already a huge fan of the expanse. So to get to be in it, actually, before I started shooting, uh, the day before my, my first day of shooting, I, I asked to be able to walk around the set so that on my first day, I wasn't, nerding out in front of everyone. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, here, it's real. Oh my God. <laughs> Got a psycho. <laughs> Have you stolen any props? We won't tell anyone. Yeah. Did you steal anything from the set? We won't tell anybody. We promise. <laughs> Ty and Daniel, no, close your ears. I did. <laughs> Season three. Season three. I'm stealing everything. Watch out. <laughs> You're stealing everything? Nice. Are you a, uh, are you a science fiction fan in I was general? literally just going to ask this. Stop. <laughs> you stop. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what I is- definitely am. Well, I think that, like, like definitely growing up, uh, I read science fiction. Brave New World is one of my favorite novels, uh, 2001, 2010. I love that. I just, I love how it, how it gives us a chance to look back at our, our current time and the way we've decided to organize our society sort of from a different perspective and to remember that anything is possible. I like that. What are some other like sci-fi shows or movies that you're into? Not that anything is as good as The Expanse. Nothing we should is. make that clear. Like this is all just tier B Nothing stuff. Is as good as, yeah. 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 Uh, that Ex Machina movie was pretty wicked. I love I that like movie that. so yeah, well, much. Yeah. Also, um, Oscar Isaac. Hello. <laughs> right. Right. He's, yeah. I like that. He's just so ridiculously but- hot. It's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. It's even when he's like a psychopath, you're like, yeah, but I'd still hit it. Oh, yeah. okay. It's true. Because he's like sexy. You can't help it. You're like, all right, this is kind of pretty creepy what you created. Actually, this is an important question. Have you seen Arrival and what did you think of it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So I loved Arrival. Wow. I loved I loved what they had to say about language. In fact, I, I, I thought it was particularly interesting to look at how language and the way you see the world, the way you see time and space is so interesting. Um, I happen to be Ojibwe, which is uh, First Nation. I was just going to ask and, you how to say that, so good. Yeah, so I'm Ojibwe. And there is, uh, in, in, in several, in many First Nations languages, actually, um, you know how it, the pronouns we have in English are he, she, it. The pronouns that, that are in these First Nations languages aren't gendered, but they refer simply to whether it's something, whether something is uh, animate or inanimate. Ah. And so whether something is alive or dead. And that's, 
So like a river, the pronoun for a river would be something that is alive or the pronoun for a tree because it's alive or whether something is just like an inanimate object. And that says so much about how you see the world, you know? Now the way that she just broke that down makes me want to give the movie because I fell asleep during the movie. This is a running gag on the show because Cher is the only person who doesn't like Arrival. I didn't yeah. like Arrival because I fell asleep during it. I thought it was boring. Um, the one thing that kind of irked me in Arrival, there's one line that Forrest Whitaker's character has about uh, Australian indigenous people and he talks about them as though they're dead, as though they don't exist. And that line went unchecked. And it sort of made me feel a little bit outside of the conversation as an indigenous person. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, damn it. I just wish that one person had been like, hey, Australian people still alive, still kicking it, you know? How do you, how do you say a tribe? It's Ojibwa? Is that how you say it? Uh, I say Ojibwe. Ojibwe. Some people say Ojibwa. Okay. So is there, Ojibwe. what language, yeah. what language does do the Ojibwe speak? Ojibwe. They speak Ojibwe. That's also the name of the language. Do you speak any of it? No. I speak, there's like a few words that I know, but unfortunately, uh, there was a genocide and the language was physically just stamped out of people and you would be beaten for speaking it at school. Uh, kids were forcibly removed from their homes. And so the language didn't get passed on, unfortunately. Oh my God. Yeah. Now I want to like last year. I'm like going to want to have a whole conversation with you outside of this because I like I'm fascinated now and I want to learn more. Yeah. 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 It's important stuff to 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 know about because this is the foundation of our land here. But this, isn't that also the, isn't, the genocide? Yeah. Isn't isn't your um, tribe like the second biggest? Like they they exist in Canada, but also like down in South America too, don't they? Or did I read that wrong? Because mm, I was reading up on this. Not so much South America. Oh. Cool. Uh, well, there are some ideas, like if you look at Chippewa, mm -hmm. the Chippewa Nation in the States, and if you say them both fast, side by side, Chippewa, 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 you're like, hmm, there's probably some relation there. Yeah, that's what I was seeing. That so was... it is, yeah, we are a good a good big group of people, the, those of us who yeah, made it. It said those two, and like it was second to Cree was like the first, like the biggest group. Ah. See, cool. I, I read things. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I love it. That's great. And, and then I also looked up because are related. yeah, and then I was also looking it up because what's his name from Battlestar Galactica is is Yukon. Who? Uh, Tamo Pennicut. Yeah, Tamo Pennicut. And like his yeah, his Yukon yeah. and like his actually like I think like his someone in his family was like a Yukon politician too. Hmm. But so I was yeah. I wanted to see yeah. like if that was at all if there was any similarity between any of them. So I don't know, that's all. That was my little no, research. No, they're so far away. Yeah. Yeah. They're so far away. So there's not as much. Uh, but guys, I made out with Tomo in Strange Empire. Not to brag about oh. it, but totally to brag about it. <laughs> <laughs> not to brag, but I'm totally going to brag. Um, but totally going to brag about that. That was oh, a, a career oh, Harry Chen was in Strange Empire with me. Who was? Who I'm in love with. Harry Chen, our practice. Yeah, he oh. uh, the coolest guy in the world. He, I was saying how like he's so he's got like these amazing soulful eyes, and then um, Danielle and Ty mentioned that he's covered in tattoos, and then I googled him while I was sitting here, and there was pictures of him in tattoos without a shirt on. So that yeah. that's not that must not have been a bad working situation either, <laughs> right? Yeah, I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that, sad dad. <laughs> so he's. <Yeah. laughs> 
He has a whole different type of dad bod. They got yeah. a lot of downtime on Ganymede. They get to work out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and actually, that, that ties into something, not the Tamil Pennicut part, because, you know, making out with Tamil Pennicut stands on its own. But uh, about, mm-hmm. we were talking earlier about an, uh, the representation on the show, and yeah. particularly on the female cast, how it's a very diverse group of women. Is that something you're particularly proud of about the show? Yes. Yes. It's the future. Brilliant. You know, I have auditioned for shows in the past, and there was one in particular that I got very close, uh, got very close on in a role, and I didn't get it. And the note that my agent got was that they already had a half Asian person on the show. Oh, jeez. And so I didn't get that. Which is like, what the actual fuck? It's, and of course, there were so many, so many white people on the show. And that doesn't seem to be a problem. But there is this idea that we have to have, like, one of each and only one. And they stand in for all. And that doesn't, that bullshit doesn't happen on this show. And I'm so proud to be a part of that. It's amazing. Plus, like, I mean, it's not just, like, you have, you know, um, Dominique that's mixed, right? She's she's, uh, Mm -hmm. Dominican. She's Dominican and Black, or is she just Dominican? And then, um, obviously, Shirai is Iranian. And then you have someone that's Samoan and someone that's First Nations all on the same cast. Yeah. And it's like even just one would be like a big deal. So it's like- Most shows would feel satisfied with that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like like, there's a quota to fill because obviously like people, they fit the roles very well and they're doing great jobs. But it's like, if there's ever an excuse that, oh, you can't find, <laughs> like, it's like, here's mm-hmm. one show that is literally, you know, how often are you going to find somebody that's Samoan and First Nations in the same, you know, cast of a show or a movie? Yeah. So it's like, you really can't use that excuse. Yeah. I don't think there are any other shows that have that, that combo of people. No, so it's, it's amazing. It's so important. And also, I really do feel like everyone just is so perfect for their roles. They really are. If only, if only we sort of were able to take, take away the idea that asking people of color has to have some kind of poetic value or that has to have some meaning to it yeah. or, or be yeah. a metaphor for something, you know, that white, catching white people is normal and doesn't mean anything. You know, it's, it's, it, we could have so much more diversity in all of the shows. Right. Because, like, I mean, I watch... Working on it. Watching the show, I'm not sitting here going, like, oh, how come there's no Italian girl on the show? I'm watching the show, and I'm just thinking, like, how amazing everybody is in their yeah. role. And I'm just so happy to see that there's strong women on the show that are strong in different ways. I mean, you have someone like Bobby that's that's going to be physically strong. Then you have someone like mm-hmm. Chris Jen who's, you know... Political, her strengths are more political and they're more, it's a t- totally different applied way. So it's like, I, that's all I'm thinking about. So for me, I can't understand why that would ever matter to be like, oh, there's not enough white girls. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not missing that <laughs> at all. You know? Also, Cher, right. Right. Cher, we can't have Italian women on our show because we're not a mafia show. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I told Ty I was going to write a uh, <laughs> a mobster space opera. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the mafia yeah. could still be around in the world of The Expanse. You think we don't it wouldn't? Know. Yeah. I mean, come on. Let's be honest here. Like, that is space is the ultimate mob 
grounds. Wherever there's no <laughs> established law, that's where like, come on. Yeah. I want to see an episode where somebody is selling bootleg stuff off the back of like a ship. <laughs> <laughs> these these are the things I understand. That's my culture. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I can say those things. I support that. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny because I do feel like I feel like um as like from an indigenous perspective, it is interesting that the show deals there's so much talk about the water and, and Diogo is dealing with that and, and looking at the, the, the preciousness of, of water on the show, because that is something that I'm like, Oh my God, this is exactly what's fucking happening right now in first nations communities. Like we don't have clean water and no one really even knows about that. And it's such a big deal. And it's, it's, it seems so clear to me that that is, like we're talking on the show about something that is exactly mirroring real life belters and the oppression that we face. So, and that's interesting because we were talking earlier about like all the parallels on the show and what's actually happening right now in the world. And for you to bring that up, Mm -hmm. we we didn't bring that up, which you would obviously be able to speak more to, but that's something that's really happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Well, I mean, we, shot all of these episodes before the election. Yeah. So it's really interesting now yeah. to see them and it, it does feel like there's a different context for them now. Yeah. It's crazy. You guys are like seeing into the future. No, that's how you, I'm again, that's how you know it's good science fiction. And yeah. Kara mentioned this earlier too, is like, you know, it's got to reflect the human condition that we're living through. And, and mm-hmm. it's a, it's a really good prism to see it through. Ty and Daniel. Yeah. Hi. Hey. <laughs> you guys, you guys like space? What about space? You, you like, like it? Space you like space? Space is cool, right? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. yeah. It's not like epic fantasy. Epic fantasy. Now, there's, there's that's true. Guy. That's yeah. Um, <laughs> this has gone so off the rails. Yeah. When are the space dragons showing up? Really? That's what we have to know. Uh, no, that'd budget. be a spoiler. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, all right. So, I mean, do you have anything you want to ask them about this particular episode? Yeah. I think we covered a lot of. We the did. Ground. We covered a lot yeah. of stuff before we got Kara on the phone. Yeah. So I think I think we got it. Unless there's anything so else I, you guys want to say about yeah, this episode. I've been I've been saying since we started this, okay. and and on Twitter a bunch too, that my absolute favorite moment in the entire season is one of Kara's moments. And it is that moment where where Alex is helping her out of the room after she's been shot, and she just casually pulls his gun out, walks up, shoots the two dudes in the head, and just walks out, Absolutely. clutching her own bloody bandage. Like she just like that was just some shit that needed to be taken care of, and now she's gonna go find a doctor. And the best part um, is no one says anything. No one's like, hey, wait a minute. It's just yeah. like, nope, that's just what she did. I do wanna say yeah. something. Like I know it's I know. laugh every time I see it. I've seen that scene. <laughs> I have well, seen that scene you're probably sick fuck, 40 dude. <laughs> times now. And every time I watch it, I laugh out loud. Like, I can't stop myself from laughing out loud. Um, I have to say, I mean, I know, you know, it's International Women's Day today. And even though everybody's going to hear this the next week, um, I'm really impressed. And I don't, I don't know that – I don't think it gets enough credit. But I'm really impressed with how you guys write women 
in the books and on the show. Um, you guys do a great job writing women. And that's so important because we obviously need that in media. So I just want to thank you guys for being, I, I mean, knowing you guys also, I know you guys truly enjoy knowing and being around and interacting with strong women. So I just want to say I appreciate that because it's awesome to see. And it makes the experience so much better for women and for female fans. And I think that's why a lot of people do love the show is because of that. The moment that was great for that with me in this episode was at the end with Holden and Naomi. When Holden is saying to her, I need you to remind me of who I am. and because yeah, not... you, you guys but, need everything. You're well, no, so no, needy. but that's the thing. And <laughs> in, I feel like in some stories, that would be her whole purpose, right? right? And her whole reason for being there is to be an anchor for the main male character. Yeah. And because we know so much of Naomi's inner life now with what's going on, and we see the look that she has when she hugs him, like, there's so much more to her than that. And she can serve that purpose to him as the person he's in a relationship with. Right. But also so, be her, I have so much else going on. Yeah. The the phrase we used for this in the room was that Naomi had to be more than sex and active listening. Yeah. That was a very uh, concise way of putting something I, <laughs> yeah, I took true. I may have been a little cranky when we were saying that, too. It was a... <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, because, like, I, I would say that's a great, uh, you know, measure. Because most female characters aren't more than sex and active listening, you know, so. Yeah. Strong and, like that. and I think we, Ty and I can take uh, credit and blame for all of the stuff in the books, but um, a lot of the, the episodes that we're seeing are written by women. We've got, we've got Robin Weiss, we've got Georgia Lee, we've got Hallie Lambert. They're all in the room and they're all writing uh, episodes for this. So we can't really take all the credit for writing good women. There are also a bunch of women <laughs> who are, who are <laughs> writing women so i gotta 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 nod to them too okay well then screw you guys and all everything i said that was nice is really for them awesome (laughs) there you go all right so let's do our shout outs um so carrie you could totally do this with us we try to shout out something that we're into this week um so ty daniel what do you guys want to shout out well the one i'm gonna uh, wanted to to talk about isn't actually out yet it's uh there's a book coming out uh by kelly and zach wienersmith um she is a scientist he is the cartoonist behind saturday morning breakfast cereal they're putting out a book called soonish 10 emerging technologies that will improve and or ruin everything uh, this october and uh it's it's the thing that has gotten on my pre-order list this week because i I love these folks, and I think they're going to be doing really interesting work, and I, I want to see that. Uh, our Sci-Fi Wire's Phil Plate just wrote about that this morning, actually, because he's in the book, I believe. That's cool. Yeah. I, if I did not already want the book, I would uh, want it even more. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I love that comic, though. Saturday Morning Breakfast Cereal is great. I've never seen it. It's great. I don't know what you're talking I really don't know what you guys are talking about. What do you right. do, Cher? I mean, what do you <laughs> Like all this Star Trek, I haven't seen any Star Trek. Uh, what, because what do I don't. Like? I've never seen an episode of Star Trek in my life. Um, oh God! Yeah, I'm a Star Wars girl, dude. See, Kara, Kara hates you now. She does not. She doesn't hate me. I, I heard it. I yeah, heard I thought we were yeah. gonna be friends. <laughs> You're like, now, not so much, bitch. <laughs> um, 
No, I I mean I would I would watch it, but I've never actually I've never like I've seen pieces of it, but I've never sat down and watched an entire episode of Star Trek ever. And I and I didn't like Arrival. <laughs> okay, there's a lot there of stuff. Go. There's right. a lot of stuff I haven't seen and don't okay, like. Okay, bye. Like, <laughs> it's been real. Click. <laughs> so, um Why do you suck so much at life, Cher? Someone has <laughs> Because someone has to. <laughs> There's, I like things. It's true. I do. I just don't, I don't, I need to like diversify my interests so they can't just be with science fiction and stuff like that. Not just weed. Uh, right. Not just weed and science fiction. Although the two go very well together. So. <laughs> um, all right. What's your next, our next shout out? <laughs> what's the so next? Apparently, yeah. apparently in my, uh, I didn't know I was doing this, but so far this year, I've only been reading books by women. Um, I, I, it was not at all intentional, but it's uh, just turned out that all the books I wanted to read so far this year are all by women. But I just got uh, uh, an arc of Sherry Priest's latest book, Brimstone, which I've just started and I'm really excited to read because I love Sherry Priest and, and all the stuff she's doing. So uh, it's not out yet for general distribution, but you guys should all buy it when it comes out. Okay. Ooh. There you go. Kara, cool. do, you, do you have anything that you're into right now that you want to shout out? Sure, yeah. Uh, I'll shout out, our, this book just came out. It's a, it's called A Book of American Martyrs by Joyce Carol Oates, my fucking favorite author. Uh, so I've just started it, and it's, uh, it's really interesting. It it's, uh, follows two sides of uh, the abortion debate, which is a debate still to me now. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's really good. It's really good so far. I'm not finished it yet, but that's what I'm reading. Interesting. Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, Check it out. Well, I'm still reading the same book I was reading before, so I'm going to break from the book uh, thing and shout out Logan. I thought Logan was so good, and it's partly because I am an old man whose body is breaking down, and I think I identified with that particular element of the film and also a reaction to my experience of superhero movies overall uh, right now. and. This one was more somber and thoughtful, and I just really loved it. And everybody in it is great. Daphne Keene is great as X-23. Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, all awesome. Loved it. Logan, that's my shout-out. So I saw Logan, and I did. did I liked it. Did I you fall it. asleep? I did not fall asleep. <laughs> I did not fall asleep. You um, sure? I'm positive. I, I, I had third-act problems, but overall, I really did like the movie. But then... Because of it, I like the next day I was like still bummed out from it. That's why I loved it. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I'm like kind of depressed. So I went back and I was like, I need to see young Hugh Jackman. Uh, So I went back and I did like a little uh, X-Men, which I'm still in the middle of. So I'm up to, um, I think I'm just going to skip over first class, but I don't know. But. So that's that's my thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, but I was going to shout out Logan, so I can't because you. Ha But so let me say this, and it is, <laughs> it, 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 it is it is a sad movie, but I think the thing that's great about it is that it's very good for our time because it basically says yes, the world is hard and can be very sad and lonely, and you may not be able to change the big picture, but you can find moments of connection and family and love uh, within that. That's very and I think yeah, that's that was, sweet. And so that's what it got for me. Yeah, yes, it is a very somber film, mm-hmm. but there is that element of there there are things there is joy and happiness to be found within this thing, even if you can't ultimately uh 
change everything you want to change. And that, for some reason, that resonated with me right now in the world. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, that was very thoughtful <laughs> and insightful. Um, yeah. And I think for a lot of people, it's sad for a lot of the reasons like, you know, you see a father-son dynamic where the son is dealing with a sick and dying father, and then he's also sick, and then he has to deal with his daughter. Like, so there's that, the obvious surface stuff. Um, so I get it. Yeah. I think it was very nice what you said. Right. That's not, I found it, like, there's the parts to me that were jarring. We're jarring for different reasons that we're not going to talk about on the podcast. All right. So, <laughs> but I did go back and watch young Hugh Jackman, which, by the way, I mean, even, like, in this movie, though, it, like, in Logan, seeing him all, like, how he was walking, like, he was all deflated, even after he took the serum, and then he's, like, deflated afterwards, and knowing in reality that's just not how he looks or acts, so it's just, yeah, he did an amazing job. He's a talented man. Yeah. But thank you, Kara, for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Kara. And as always, thank you, thank you, Ty and Daniel, and thank you to everybody that's listening, and... You know, again, if you're listening on iTunes or Google Play or however you're listening, go ahead and give us some love and rate us five stars and, you know, drop us a note. Say hi. If you have any comments or questions about the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Wire or you can leave us a note on The Expanse Reddit because we do hop in there and try to, like, say hi to you guys and interact and all that fun stuff. And we'll see you next time. We will see you next time.